Welcome to Startups with Niall Marr. This is a show that covers a wide variety of business and startup topics, but ultimately the goal is to give you tips, strategies and advice to grow your business and hopefully entertain you along the way. You won't just be learning from me, I'll also be chatting with founders and other interesting people from the startup world and sharing their conversations with you too. Thanks for listening and let's grow together. People today expect different relationships with brands. They don't want just a customer support email address and a newsletter. They want a deeper interaction with the company and other buyers of the product or service. And according to a recent survey, nearly 80% of startup founders reported that building a community was essential to their business, with 28% describing it as critical to their success. I've attached a survey called the State of Startups in the show notes, and it summarizes a lot of big trends in a very easy to understand way. That's, that's how I was able to actually get through it. Apple, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, and Facebook, or, or Meta, have all invested heavily in digital and in-person community engagement across their portfolio. If you take Amazon and its AWS business as an example, they are trying to get events in nearly every city and community organizers from outside of the core business. You'll see AWS meetups nearly everywhere. Their community growth has been amazing. So how does this knowledge help you? Well, businesses can unlock extraordinary competitive advantages by building with a community in mind. Members help bring in new members, which result in lower acquisition costs and a tight viral loop. Members don't want to lose their community ties, meaning increased retention and improved lifetime value. Members support one another by answering questions and teaching and that means a smaller service cost as your members become customer support agents themselves. There is then a natural network effect. As the engagement grows, the community gets smarter, faster to respond, more globally available, and generates more value. But I've quoted some behemoths like Apple and Amazon. Most of us aren't Apple or Amazon. That's why I have brought a good friend of mine, Matt Studdart, the founder of Frontend Mentor on for a chat. Frontend Mentor has a massive online community, which has seen them grow and scale the business to 300,000 users in just a few years by leveraging the community. What's more amazing to me is Matt has done this with a super small team. Let's jump over to the call with Matt so you can hear the story directly from the main man himself and hopefully learn some tricks on growing a community for yourself. Matt, thanks for jumping in onto this call. Why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? I think that's the best way to start this. I'd say it is. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I am Matt Studdett. I am the founder of an online learning platform for web developers called Frontend Mentor. And at Frontend Mentor, we don't actually teach the kind of theory of coding. We instead assume that you've picked up the knowledge from elsewhere. And then you come to Frontend Mentor when you're ready to start building projects and put what you've learned into practice. Excellent. We, we met each other, I think, because I found a platform. I can't even remember how we met each other originally, Matt. Do you, do you remember that? I re yeah, you showed up in the Slack community and you just, you just put a kind of a really well-worded introduction in the introductions channel. And I thought, oh, this is a person that I should have, say a little hello to. So I just DM'd you and um, we just got chatting and then here we are. <laughs> My mom would be so proud of me being well-spoken. <laughs> At least it wasn't. Delete that post. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very impressive. Very impressive. And that's the reason I have you here as well, is because the, the one thing I noticed about you straight away is the massive community you built, like immediately. It was just so noisy and so loud. Um, and people were so excited to use the platform and share what they were doing. And that just seems baked into what you're doing. You're helping people improve uh, their coding skills, but you're trying to do it with an anti-hustle culture. And what do you mean by the anti-hustle culture? This is, this is something that we, you said to me before this call. So I, I was just wondering, what, what do you mean? What are you trying to keep away from while you're doing this? Well, so for me, it's just building on the, it's more on the business side for that. It's kind of just building a business in a way that I 
want to run it, kind of building the house that you want to live in. I value consistency over time and just showing up day after day, just chipping away at a problem. And it's amazing what can happen when you zoom out and look at your work over a period of months or years rather than days or weeks uh, and see kind of how far you've come. So I always shudder when I see people saying, I, I only sleep four hours a night and I do X, Y, Z and this kind of thing, because it's just, for me, I mean, it might not be a recipe for disaster for them, but it sounds like it could be. And I know for an absolute fact that it would be for me. So yeah, it's being mindful of how I'm building the business and making sure that I'm not making a, a prison for myself. And I, I just love showing up and the team kind of loves showing up day after day to work on the problem. Who, who's in the team now? Because when I talked to you originally, it was two of you. Yeah, so it's me and my co-founder who is also, we're both full-time on it. I went full-time in January last year, which is actually last year now. And Mike came on board full-time in June last year. So he he had a job at FutureLearn beforehand and was kind of just working there as a developer. And we always just said, like, it was always a bit of a, a side project, but it just kept on growing and growing and growing. And so we just said, like, when, when we're able to pay full-time salary and all that kind of stuff, he'll make the jump. And he did. And then now we've also got a developer from within the front-end mentor community, actually, oh, great. who's working on the code base as well. He's actually taken the front-end role from me. So I haven't written code in over half a year. I call myself a web developer, but I actually haven't written any code in <laughs> half a year, which is ridiculous. I need to start taking front-end mentor challenges to keep my... Uh... And I have challenged you to one of those in the community, so I haven't forgot about that. I will want to see you do that challenge Just reminding well. me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was your background that led you to this idea? or Where did you see the gap missing in all this? Because once I seen it, I could immediately see the value. And I've just been telling anyone in my coding community anyway, that's trying to get a front end job yeah. that they should jump on and get some real practical skills and learning. So what led you to the conclusion that this is the way we do it? Going back a little bit further, I guess, than the idea, because it all kind of feeds into it. I actually don't come from a web development background myself. I sort of grew up like as a teenager, I was much more interested in sports and exercise and all this kind of thing. I did sports science at university, came out of university and started up a personal training business, but then had kind of taken it as far as I thought that I could. I love, I love the work, but I always just kept on having new ideas for new businesses. Uh, and they were always online businesses, but I didn't have the skills to actually do anything. So I was kind of getting frustrated with myself. And it was either a case of try and pay someone to build it, but then I didn't have the money to pay someone to build it. So I, I started thinking, actually, maybe I should start to learn how to code. And this was when I was sort of turning like 28, turning 29, so late 20s. And I started learning to code by myself. It was using lynda.com back then. It was lynda, um, so way, way back when. And... That was, it was great, but then I very quickly saw an advert for a company called General Assembly, who their tech education, they do coding boot camps, all of this kind of stuff. And for me, learning in that boot camp environment was just really appealing because you go somewhere, you have to be there every single day. You've got peers, you've got teachers that you can talk to in person. And for me, that was just the way that I, I learned best. I have to be kind of, someone has to tell me where to be, <laughs> really. And, and so I enrolled in their boot camp. And then I decided to actually become a full-time developer out of that, just to earn my stripes a little bit, gain a bit of industry experience and all this kind of thing. And so I did the boot camp. I actually got hired as a developer eight days out of the boot camp, which was which was crazy. So there was no small amount of imposter syndrome on day one. And then, yeah, I came back to General Assembly about a year into being a, a professional developer. Decided to come back to General Assembly on top of my full-time job, but just in the evenings, helping as a teaching assistant at first, 
But then over the years, I started to become a, a lead instructor there as well, which is where I then had the idea for, for Front End Mentor. Nice. When did it start then? When did the chaos start? Well, with Front End Mentor. Yeah. Um, when, when, did, like, when did you, because I know how ideas usually happen is we buy a domain and then never <laughs> look at that domain again. Did you just immediately follow through or did you just think about it? What, like, how did it happen from there? Yeah, well, I I actually, the, the very first version of Frontend Mentor, I just wanted to launch something because I'd actually been um, playing around with another, like an old fitness related business idea that I'd had just on the side. And I was just getting really frustrated with it because I did absolutely every single thing wrong, whereby like I didn't validate the idea. I didn't have a clear route to market. I didn't know who the customers were, exactly what they want. I tried to build everything when actually you just you should probably just start with the smallest thing possible and let it grow organically from there. So it was actually I was getting a bit frustrated with myself with another idea that I had to try and go to try and blend back my history with exercise and nutrition with my newfound kind of tech skills <laughs> and it just wasn't working at all. So I got frustrated with myself. I thought, what can I, I want to launch something, just put it out there into the world. What can I do? And like, what interests me? And one thing that really was my students were crying out for a lot of the time was a shared resource list. And I, you saw, you kind of see resource lists as for developers, like all over, <laughs> all over the place. It's absolutely nothing new. But over my years as a developer, I had kind of built these this resource list that I would always share with the class but it was like actually it would be good to put this on a domain and just point them to the domain and have it like that so I did and I did a, a LinkedIn post and I, I just thought of the name front-end mentor because it's a front-end resource list and it's mentoring people to tell them where to go the .io was available so I was like .io is good for tech people, so that's good. The .com wasn't available at the time. Luckily, I've got it now, which is a good thing. But I released this resource list and then just got this massive jolt of motivation and enthusiasm for just having something out there in the world. And my students were really happy about it. Everyone that was giving me feedback online, like comments on the post and all that kind of thing were, were loving it. So... I started to think, what else can I do? Like, I kind of got this energy and I was like, all right, what, what now? We've done the resource list, what else? And so I started thinking of what else my students were asking me for consistently. Like, what did they need? And one of the patterns that I'd seen over multiple courses was that when people finished the course, they would ask, where do I now go to build projects? And where can I practice this newfound knowledge? My first piece of advice was always just build build a project that you're passionate about, maybe build a project for a friend or something like this, just build anything. But then they would always say, first of all, I, I don't know what to build, like I don't have any ideas. I'm also, they would say like, I'm terrible at design. So if I build something for a friend, my friend just ends up with this really awful looking website that they're not really happy with and no one's really happy with. And I was like, yeah, okay, so that's that's fair enough. But then when people would tell me that, I would say, just go to Dribble. And Dribble is obviously a, a showcase for designers, some beautiful designs on there. But for developers, it's not really very helpful advice because if you go to, if you find a design to work on, you don't have the assets, you don't have the design files, you're not working in a sort of realistic workflow. And so I just thought, why doesn't this thing exist actually? Like I, I was like, I would have found this really useful when I started out. My students would definitely find it useful. And if all of us would find it useful, then I'm sure other people around the world would. So I just, I just launched it and I just added, moved the resources list that was on frontendmentor.com to forward slash resources. And then on the homepage, just put a single challenge. I found a design on a kind of sketch resources website and then emailed the designer and just said, can I use your design for this, please? Like it's a free download, but I would love to use it and then link to your website. And he was super happy for me to do that. And so I did. And then that's where it all began. So it was just one, one project on a static site that I had built 
in a day or two. I hadn't even designed it, so very ironically, it looked awful because I'm colorblind as well. So it looked terrible. The colors were <laughs> awful. And yeah, it was, but it was a start. It was, it was something and then it built the momentum. When was that page actually launched? That was June, 2018. So kind of coming up four years ago now. Wow. Uh, I didn't know it was that long. So this has been growing a while because, and I think this is where the whole, it only takes years to become an overnight success yeah. kind of quote comes from because it seemed like it just was shot out of a cannon when I seen it. But obviously it went through that compressing of the spring until it like unloaded and yeah. became what it is today. Yeah, absolutely. You hit on a few things that I would absolutely, I would nearly lose the entire chat here if I hit on them, but I just love that you talk about like where you went wrong with the kind of I, I, actually asking people what they want and all of these things like the product manager and me is just like <laughs> I, I just want to talk about that so much but I won't because yeah. I, I won't get into talking about community I, I might have to talk to you again about that but you started that a single challenge and then how many users do you have now um we are we've got as nearly 300,000 people on the platform now how many people are in your company and yeah, I mean, two, two of us full-time and then one part-time. And then we also, we've, and we've got a, a designer that we use part-time as well. So yeah, two, two full-time and two part-time. That is the most outrageous metrics, like for like just the greatest metrics I think I've ever heard. And one of the most <laughs> exciting things that I always look at when I chat to you is the fact that you, with two full-time people and two part-time people, you've built a business to nearly 300,000 users. That like, that's to me, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It, and I'm guessing, I hope, or else this chat is going to be very, very boring unless you like <laughs> paid for loads of users. I, 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 I'm guessing the community was the heart of that or getting momentum behind the community or yeah. am I wrong in thinking that? Because I, I obviously didn't even know it was that old. So this is why I, maybe I'm going to be wrong about the community aspect. Yeah, no, so it's, and this is why I, I always kind of, is, it comes back to what I was saying earlier, where it's valuing consistency over time. And as long as you're sort of showing up day after day, just chipping away at it, then yeah, you, you can, obviously you have to have the right idea and you have to be working on the right things and, uh, and doing things in a certain way, but the, the benefits really do compound. And the, yeah, we've got, so we've got 300,000, nearly 300,000 people on the frontendmentor.io kind of registered. And then actually yesterday, uh, yesterday evening, we just went over 100,000 people within our Slack community. So we've got 100,000 people in our Slack community. And um, that is crazy. Yeah. And we, it's so cool. Is, it's, it's like, I love community. That's what I think that's why we connected as well initially. And the fact that you have 100,000 people and it's not a, like people are always chatting there. If I go in there, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's all really positive it's also, as well. Yeah, like, it never, it never feels, there's always people kind of posting messages and chatting and things like that, but it never feels kind of overbearing. It doesn't feel, there's not sort of constant messages all over the place or people posting spam or anything like that. We've got a good team of, of moderators as well that help out and they're just an incredible team helping answer questions and delete spam posts or if people accidentally sometimes people post in multiple channels and just copy paste the same thing and then just making sure you remove all of that but maybe leave if it's a legitimate post then leave one message in the right channel and making sure that we welcome everyone so if anyone takes the time to post a message in the introductions channel for me personally, I always think that someone in the team needs to take the time to say, hello, welcome, answer any initial questions they might have, point them in the right direction if they've got any questions or anything like that. And just create a supportive place for developers because oftentimes developer communities like this, um, you, have to, you have to really set that tone because you never know, like people can be quite blunt sometimes in the development world but um, especially when you're dealing with learners it's just so important that they can ask whatever question they want to and feel comfortable doing that and feel supported by the entire community so yeah we've got 
a large large community with a small team, but then also um, yeah, we wouldn't wouldn't be anywhere without the moderators as well. They're they're a great help helping out with the community and helping field questions as well. How did you build this? Was this something you set out to do, or was it an accident on the way? Or what were the steps you put in place? I'm, there's this kind of a two prong question. So maybe the first first part that we'll go into is how you built a community, and then maybe some tips for people who want to start building a community because I can see so many people trying to get developer advocates and all this role of trying to build a community now and kind of retrofit community into their brands. But you you kind of set out with that. So I, I'm just love to hear like how you built it or how you started it and then some tips you have for people who are trying to get into building a community. Yeah, sure. So when I when we started the Slack community that sat alongside the website initially my main reason for doing it it was actually a, a kind of a bit of a happy accident really because i launched front end mentor but it was very much just a, a static site the first version that i launched it was static no login no submitting solutions no feedback or anything like this it was just download the challenge and then i thought it's going to be helpful to have a Slack community sitting alongside the platform because that's where people can ask for help. That's where people can post their projects to share what they've built, ask any questions. It's where I can keep people updated and all this kind of thing. So I did it not thinking that I was really building a community, if you see what I mean. I wasn't like I wasn't specific and tactical about it. I just did it because we lacked the features on the platform. But then just as it's grown bit by bit, and I've always had a few rules where it's like, yeah, always make sure I'm welcoming people whenever they introduce themselves, answering questions, making sure that hopefully no questions go unanswered. And at the beginning, a lot of that was me. But then as the community's grown, other people have started chipping in as well. And I think, to be honest, if you just keep at it and just stay consistent and you make it a supportive, fun interesting place to be where everyone's moving towards the same goal i mean it's everyone is trying to improve their coding skills so we've got one clear route for everyone and everyone's on the same journey and everyone's and it's also we we sort of foster the idea of like it's not you or me it's we can both move in the same direction at the same time and just everyone is helping each other get better rather than because sometimes you can think oh this person knows this like I should now learn this and you can kind of have a bit of a internal get com competitive or or you can get start to think like everyone knows everything and I know nothing kind of thing whereas yeah we just help to we try and support everyone as much as possible make sure that everyone knows that you don't have to learn everything you don't have to kind of keep moving around learning the latest and greatest technologies which is so so important for junior developers and learner developers because there's so much out there and it, it can be quite scary looking at the landscape in front end these days and being like do i really have to learn all of that and the answer is no <laughs> I think after that, to nearly summarize the the whole chat nearly, is I'm probably going to call, I have to title this now, Consistency and Community. Yeah. Because they're the two things that really have given you, your, your entire business really is just showing up every day and consistently being polite to people and everything else. So yeah. if you had to give, we'll say three tips, three tips to people who are... Uh, starting a community what would they be your highlights the must-haves yeah the first one is consistency <laughs> 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 just just stay stay consistent stay with it building especially in the early days growing a community is can it can feel sometimes like a bit of a slog because you're, you really have to drive everything and you have to be the community member that you hope other people will be at some point in the future as well. But you also, it's your community and you can't have any assumptions on how other people are going to act within your community. Like your community is only going to be useful to others if it's also useful to them and gives them a sense of belonging. So 
you have to really drive it, especially in the early days. And that is just consistency and time. Don't get downhearted if you get days where people don't join the community at all. Just keep going, keep talking to people, keep answering questions, keep asking questions as well. It's something that I probably don't, we don't do enough is asking questions like how can we help or doing maybe portfolio reviews or CV reviews and things like that, which is something that we're gonna look to do for sure. But yeah, consistency, Absolutely. Um, being welcoming and supportive and just being overly helpful. Just if someone asks a question, even if it's been answered a few messages above, just kind of acting like it's a brand new question and, and answering it, giving your, giving your all and sharing resources or giving feedback or anything like that. It can be time consuming, but at the same time, like that's, that's a key part of building a community it's not it's not an easy job but it's it's just stuff that has to be done and then yeah so consistency being welcoming and being as helpful as possible like those would be sort of my three major things and if you're if you're that and everyone feels like they they belong and they like being in the community then they'll want other people to be in that community as well so they'll share it with their friends and then hopefully you'll get more people who are helping each other out and reinforcing what the community stands for. I think you summed that up very nicely, which I really like. This should be uh, one of those romanticized quotes for you. And that's be the member you want people to be. Yeah. So I, re I really like that. I think it really sums up what, what it feels like, like why you're putting the effort is... It's not so you always have to carry the torch, but it is so you can be the beacon for what good community looks like as well, I guess. You have to lead the way, essentially. But then now, I mean, other other people within the community are, are leading the way with our, with our moderators and everything like that. So over time, people will step up and sort of show themselves as people who want to be aligned with whatever you're building. And then those people can sort of be the model community members as well but it's just especially important in the early days because no one it's it's hard to have an active community from day one you have to really foster that culture and that engagement i i just love that the, the being the member that's something i i definitely am guilty of not being myself sometimes i'm just like why aren't other people talking yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i'm definitely guilty of that yeah exactly um, no it's, it is like it is, and I mean, I, like, now with 100,000 people in, you, you don't, I'm always there day after day and fielding questions and stuff like that, but then I'll, if I'm asleep or whatever, like, I'll, I'll wake up and then just see everyone, all of the questions that have been asked have already been answered, everyone's chipping in, everyone's just helping out wherever they can, just because they believe in what the community stands for, and they enjoy talking to each other and interacting, so... It is, it is something that it's, yeah, it's tricky to do, especially in the early days, because you're, you're just trying to like, you, you feel like you're speaking into the void or like, there's no, there's no one asking any questions. And you're like, oh, this is not active enough. It needs, we need messages. <laughs> so you're trying to kind of force it a little bit. It is just, it's consistency and time. It's like, that, <laughs> that is literally, that is literally it. And it's also... It's one of those things that like people people don't like hearing that because it's like telling people to be healthy you need to eat like healthily <laughs> like you need to eat minimally processed food like focus on vegetables and fibrous vegetables and have a bit of meat a bit of fish like that's absolutely fine but just minimize the junk food as much as possible and then move so do some activities and maybe go to the gym or play some sports that you enjoy or do some activities that you enjoy um and it's such a dull message because everyone knows that they should eat healthily and work out and exercise and stay active and stuff like that but that's not what people want to hear because they they want like what what's the silver bullet that I can do to, to get to this? Whereas and with, with business and with and building a community as well, it is literally just 
consistency and time. You didn't know that Fundamental was there for like three and a half years, like since I first had that idea. And it is the whole sort of, yeah, years, a few years to be an overnight success. <laughs> Super valuable insight there mm. as well. What I'm disappointed about is I feel like that means my diet of bacon isn't really helping my health. I thought the fat <laughs> would help lubricate my arteries and make the blood run faster. Like that's, no, that's what I, I thought, you know, I've seen how slippy the fat gets. So I assumed that's what it was doing to my insides. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> there's rationale to that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you as a professional, you're, so you're recommending to have a healthy lifestyle that is consistent and takes time to do as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Damn. That's not what I wanted to hear. Right. You're right. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And that was actually, I mean, it was one of the reasons why I actually stopped personal training because I, it was just so frustrating because people, they, they don't want to exercise consistently and eat healthily. They want to hand over money to a personal trainer and then just shed weight automatically just because a transaction's been made. And yeah, it was a fun day today, but sometimes it was a bit like, it felt like pulling your hair out because it's just, it's a very basic message and people just have to do it. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of not doing it now, although I'm getting back into a rhythm, but it's so easy to, to get out of that schedule. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Are you enjoying the podcast? Just so you know, most people will find this show through sharing. If you have a friend that you think would like this show too, Open the app, tap that share button and send them a real quick text. This will really help the podcast out to grow and find new listeners. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get back to the show. One major thing that kind of really solidified the kind of person or the kind of business that you're trying to build is the fact that you turned down an investment opportunity and a pretty substantial one. I don't know if you want to go into the figure or anything, but... That to me is, look, I'm fundraising at the moment for the reason of expansion and building out more. So wh why did you turn it down? What was the reason? Well, yeah, I, so Fundamental has kind of grown as a side project just over, over a period of months and, and years. And I've always... Like I thought that I wanted to run kind of a gigantic business and kind of a well-funded business and all that kind of stuff in the past. And that's what I was trying to shoot for with my failed fitness application kind of back in the day. But I just realized I've, I've just, after reading plenty of books and just thinking long and hard about what I want to do and how I want to live my life and all of this kind of stuff, it just... I kind of came to the conclusion, not necessarily that we will never take investment, that if we feel that the time is right and that it will kind of really light a fire under the business and we are, we're ready for that investment and to grow the team a bit faster and move a bit faster, then that's fine. But for me, the, the main reason was we didn't necessarily need the money because the, the revenue was growing. We had the subscription in place. The revenue growth was was strong and sustainable. We also, so we kind of had this, we had this evidence that we could potentially just grow it organically through revenue. But then also just talking myself and Mike about the company that we want to run is this whole, it comes back to this kind of building the house that you want to live in. And, and I've got quite strong ideas about running companies and how a company should be run and all of this kind of thing. And it comes back to this anti like hustle culture, trying to build something that is a pleasure to work in. People like we don't have set deadlines. We chip away at the problems like that we're solving the features or anything like this day after day and we'll kind of it will average out to probably a 40 to 50 hour work week in the end which is still a fair amount but we don't we don't place any restrictions on each other we don't like oh, it has to be a nine to five or anything like this we want to play around with different ways of working maybe four day work weeks or nine day fortnights or something like that in the future as we grow our team we want to 
anyone that does come on board, if we're lucky enough to start building out a full-time team, we just want to be as supportive as possible to our team members and try and, again, make the business as pleasurable as possible to work in without hitting, like without needing to hit specific targets. So it was more, it was more just, we think that we can try and do it this way, so let's give it a go. And also when you raise investment, Obviously, the investors want a return on investment, which will mean selling the business or some other type of liquidity event. Whereas actually, I just prefer to build a business that I want to run indefinitely. And if anything ever happens along those lines in the future, then you kind of take it as it comes. But I'm not building the business with a view to like, I'm going to sell this at some point or do this. So, um, so yeah, those were the kind of main reasons for me. Or for uh, what a mature, healthy reason to do it as well. Because I think for a lot of people, especially the fundraising is just because it's kind of sexy. It's the nice, like it's nearly, oh, it shows that I'm successful if I, if people are interested in giving me things, but you really thought long and hard about the handcuffs that potentially it gives you because you have other people to answer to, I guess, as well. Yeah, and there are definitely legitimate, absolutely legitimate reasons to raise funding in the in the early days, building a kind of building a strong team, getting whatever product it might be to market faster. And maybe the the business model isn't quite in place. So you need a bit of extra runway to get to that point. But for us, the business model was in place. We were growing at a rate that we were comfortable with. So we just thought, actually, let's let's hold off on it. And like I said, we, we may take funding at some point in the future. But when we do, it will be because it's the exact right thing to do at that moment. And we can really make use of the money. If we took funding now, I mean, obviously, we could make a couple of hires or something. But it would a lot of the money would probably sit in the bank and it would just be... Like we want to focus on growing organically and just do it, do Beautiful. it as we need to, rather than just yeah raising raising around because we want to raise around. Makes sense, and I think a lot of people do end up getting stuck on that wheel of just fundraising because they think it's the thing to do to market their business. It's it's crazy. Yeah. I really love hearing that. You just have a very different mindset than a lot of people that get into business, which I love seeing. And it's, I'm so glad that you're in my circle of people <laughs> that I get to talk to and bounce ideas off because it's very refreshing to have somebody that is so introspective with these things and knows what they want from life and business, yeah. or at least is getting to know what they want from life and business slowly as time goes on. Yeah, ab- absolutely. No, I, I want, I, I, one of the one of my big reasons for creating a company is is freedom and that's majority is like just freedom from a set schedule and freedom from specific constraints or anything like that and i want to if i was an employee i would want to be able to say to my boss oh it's a ni- nice day outside so i want to sit in the park because it's really sunny outside and as a boss like i would want to be the kind of boss that would say if we don't obviously have anything pressing on that day to be like it's a nice day, like I'm just gonna go for a two hour walk or something like this, I'll be back and maybe I might work a little bit later or I might make up the time elsewhere or something like that, but it's just flexibility and and I would want to build a business that I would want to work in personally because typically I've not worked in, com- I've worked in very few companies and I'm not a huge fan of just kind of being like working for someone else in general. But I think that if you make the business the like really supportive of anyone who works within the business, yeah, you can just make it a pleasure to work in and you can be as supportive to your um, staff as possible and give them the flexibility that they need in their life, which is so important, especially now when everyone's working from home or hybrid or anything like that. You need a bit of time to, to get out of the flat or the house or anything <laughs> yeah absolutely and that kind of leads on to because you're talking about running a healthy business and a happy business what tips would you have for founders who are starting out now try and stay away from consistency just be consistent and take time if there's a because i think everyone will understand that that is 
the secret to success from if they've gotten this far anyway into the conversation they'll know that consistency and time but is there anything else that you would like to tell people to that would be worth thinking about um yeah so for if you've got an idea like i would just say get something anything out into the world as quickly as possible and it's what i didn't do with the fitness app that i was trying to build and i wasted eight months of just absolutely getting nowhere and just getting really frustrated with myself. Whereas with Frontend Mentor, the first version of Frontend Mentor took a day or two to build and it immediately showed me people are interested in this. There's a direction that we could potentially take this. And then also, as soon as you see other people that don't know you, so they're not your parents or friends or family who are always just going to say like, oh yeah, this looks great. Like, when you get a message from someone halfway around the world who has no emotional connection to you and they say, thank you so much for doing this, this was, this is really helping me and this is incredible, it just gives you that jolt of motivation and just there's nothing quite like it with regard to that. So I would say it's such a cliche thing, but yeah, just put something, anything out there into the world. If you've got an idea, just to get that feedback, get that initial, get the ball rolling for sure. So that's that's the big one. And like I would also say, and this is a kind of derivative of consistency over time. <laughs> oh, you had to put it in there I again. It, I knew, yeah, I knew I, you were. But another one is just don't give up too early because I've seen, I've seen, I have, in the earliest days of Frontend Mentor, when you have like one or two people like downloading the challenges and um, week after week, it's growing ever so slightly, but you get positive messages, but it's growing really slowly. Like you could, I could have easily given up. And I've seen plenty of people with great ideas who have given up because it's not hit some arbitrary number that they've made up where it's like, it has to earn this amount of money by this date in the future. Otherwise, I'm just packing it in. And like for me, it's just just keeping at it and just keep keeping going. So yeah, don't give up early. Like if you if you feel that you're on the right path, just be patient, keep going. Consistency over time. Damn, I knew you were going to get it. I, <laughs> I knew you knew I was. Where's the block? block? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. What are you going to consistently grow with time <laughs> next for Frontend Mentor? So the, the next big stage for Frontend Mentor is to help connect great companies with our incredible developer community. We've got nearly 300,000 people, as we mentioned earlier, on the platform, and that's growing kind of by tens of thousands um, a month. So that's kind of really moving in the right direction. And what we want to do now is because we've got people building projects, submitting their projects on Frontend Mentor, giving each other code reviews, giving each other feedback, you've got a perfect display of someone's skills with the projects they build and also their knowledge and written communication style and a bit of an insight into their personality with the code reviews that they give to other people. So we've just got this incredible open book of information that me, if I was hiring someone, I would find it unbelievably valuable. And I have found it unbelievably valuable because that's how we got Josh on board as a part-time developer because he was just giving such great feedback and building such great solutions that we had no problem, even though he had never been a professional developer before, hadn't even sort of start, was just starting college. And we were just so confident in his skills and his ability because of what he was doing on Frontend Mentor. So there's so many other people on the platform who haven't even got a job yet, but the projects they're building and the feedback they're giving to other people, it's just, they're so far above what other people who haven't kind of been building projects and been doing this kind of thing. And, teaching others, even though they haven't even had a job yet, they're giving feedback to others and all this kind of stuff. Like the people on Frontend Mentor, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but they're, they're just really, it just amazes me the quality of their work day after day. And so what we want to do now is help companies find developers within our community and hire them. So we're going to be building a hiring platform 
that will complement the learning platform. The first offering, so the first offering within that hiring platform is going to be what we're going to call talent search. So it will just allow hiring managers, recruiters, whoever to search based on their specific criteria. So it might be someone in the UK who maybe they don't need any experience, but they need to be based in the UK. And then you just hit search. And maybe you want to, them to display a little bit of knowledge of like JavaScript or maybe even have done a few React projects or something like Beautiful. that. You can then just make your choices and then we'll be able to say, okay, based on your search criteria, these are the top people that we think that you need to start a conversation with. And then they can message them through the, through the platform and start that conversation. So it'll be a, a discovery platform for developers. I, I am a huge fan of that because I think the one thing I always tell a lot of people about hiring, obviously that's what I'm focusing on solving the hiring part of the problem and yeah. how people hire. But what most people never do is proactively look for the right people. They're just like, well, nobody's coming. Yeah. And until you get like some good people, it's hard to attract more good people. So I really like the fact that you can you have a proactive approach to find the people that you need to build your business. That's an amazing thing that's going to be there. I can't wait to see it. And I, I hope we can try it out ourselves as well when it goes yeah. live. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it will be, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. And we're from there, we'll sort of grow it out as we need to based on feedback. But yeah, it will be... First of all, just helping people, like you said, proactively go and find the right developers. Perfect. You've given us all of your knowledge, I think now, thankfully. <laughs> so two quick questions for you. And that is your favorite book at the moment, or what is the most useful book you've had lately? I always give slightly rambly answers to questions. And mm -hmm. my rambly answer is that I don't have a single, like an actual single book, but like my over, absolute overall favorite book, I'm more of a nonfiction reader, so has to be Shoe Dog uh, by Phil Knight, which is like the, it's the kind of story of the Nike founding story. And it's just an unbelievable story of grit and determination. And yeah, just getting a business like that off the ground is, is just a really good insight to get me thinking about life in general and yeah, what path I want to go on and what makes me happy and moving in the right direction. The, or oh, was it the Almanac of Naval Ravikant? Just oh, like- Oh, brilliant book. Amazing, just gets me, yeah, it always, I always, my mind just drifts away. I listen to books, I'm a really slow reader, so I always, it's more sort of audio books that I, I listen to rather than read. So yeah, that, but then also kind of challenging conventional entrepreneurial like wisdom or startup wisdom, things like Company of One, The Minimalist Entrepreneur, Lost and Founder. Those are some great books that I've read multiple times over each of them just to get me thinking differently as someone who runs a company to think like I don't always have to try and raise X amount of money. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do this. I can actually just build a business that I would want to run and that hopefully other people would want to work in if we get to the point where we're able to hire more people. Brilliant. I think that's months of reading for people yeah. that they'll be consistently reading over time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> then the very last thing I just want to ask you in case you've any little nuggets of gold for people, is there any tool or service that you've found lately that you've been using or that's really helped you out in your business? It doesn't even have to be related to your business. Yeah. Um, just what's the most helpful thing you found? Yeah. On a, on a business side, I would say the, a couple of tools stand out that we use that I just, I love. One of them is Fathom Analytics. It's a privacy focused analytics company. It's actually one of the founders of Fathom is the author of Company of One, um, a guy called Paul Jarvis, who is just a great thinker, just runs again, business, how I would want to run a business. He's someone that I definitely look up to in the, in the space, but Fathom Analytics, it's sort of cookie free. It doesn't sell your data on it doesn't kind of mine your data at all it's very much just analytics and you can set events and all this kind of stuff for when people do certain things within the application i love that i didn't realize that was paul jarvis as well because i love company of one i didn't realize yeah i was just trying to pick an analytics tool and that's going to actually probably push me over the edge just because i love that <laughs> book so much yeah it's great and yeah that, that's it and i i knew the book and then 
I was looking and then saw it was him and I was like, actually, yeah, that's perfect. And it's, it's just never ceased to sort of impress me. It's a, it's a really, really good tool. And then the other one is our um, subscription management tool, Chargebee, which is just so it's such a great tool for managing subscriptions, integrating different payment gateways. Like we use Stripe for credit cards and PayPal as well. We might hopefully add more payment gateways as well to support more people around the world in the future. But Chargebee just makes it super easy to manage subscriptions. Just very, very good service if you're running a subscription-based business. Beautiful. I hope I can get Chargebee to sponsor us then for that uh, great endorsement at the end of this because <laughs> I think payments is something, there's a good few vendors out there, but I know I've heard you several times. Yeah. And even just so people know before this call, we talked about that. Yeah. So yeah, in... <laughs> I, I nearly knew what you were going to answer before that came <laughs> along. So. Yeah, no, Chargebee, like, yeah, big, big advocate. If any other people I know are starting up a, a business and, and they need subscriptions, like Chargebee is something I always recommend for sure. So that's beautiful. That's beautiful. It. Matt, thanks a million for joining us. Where can people find you? For Frontendmentor, frontendmentor.io and Frontendmentor on Twitter and then personal Twitter. I don't tweet a lot, but when I do, you can find me at underscore Matt Studdett. So it's just underscore and then M-A-T-T-S-T-U-D-D-E-R-T. It's a surname that people often misspell and it's very, very tricky surname. So, uh, yeah. Excellent. I will put the <laughs> links in the show notes. So if anyone's looking for you, they'll be able to find you. It was a pleasure having you, Matt, and I'm sure we'll be catching up ourselves very soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Wow. Lots of gold in there. Matt's really broke my expectation of how big of a community you can build with such a small team. I think if I was to summarize some of the phenomenal points in there, it would have to be consistency, as it's mentioned several times. Being the member you want people to be, and simply saying hello to every single new member that joins. It's obviously worked very well for him because his community is now a 24-7 machine for answering questions, supporting each other, and marketing the platform. This gives Matt plenty of time to work on his business and not answering every question that comes through. If you enjoyed this episode, I have a little favor to ask. If you could leave the podcast a kind review, it would really help the show out. It appeases the algorithm gods and helps me reach new people, so I really appreciate it. And until next time, my beautiful friends, keep learning and keep growing.